I spent May of 2022 in Nosara, Costa Rica. I've been going there for years. It's actually where I met my partner, Johnny. It's also where I connected with today's guest, Monica Ramos. About a decade ago, Monica used to teach the most beautiful yoga class that I attended whenever I was in town. Monica is an incredible teacher with a calming voice and an introspective awareness. Given her yogi lifestyle, it might come as a surprise that Monica is also a pretty badass motorcycle rider. Let's take a moment and just take a few breaths and find our body in this space because, yeah, this is definitely part of the story and it's about embodiment and moments where I would feel butterflies in my belly kind of like now in front of this beautiful microphone and, and you. Let's just inhale through our nose and as you exhale, letting out a deep sigh. Yeah, so I can sense a little, you know, fluttering in my breath. So we'll take three more breaths like that, just inhaling and exhaling. Mm. The loud rev of a combustion engine may not seem like the most zen sound, but Monica told me that she has to be extremely present when she's riding her bike. She often uses yoga breathing techniques to help her stay safe and grounded on the road. In July of 2021, Monica decided to go after one of her wildest ideas. She, her husband Mario, and their eight-year-old daughter Magenta rode motorcycles from Costa Rica to Mexico. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Monica Ramos, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Mm, Thank you, Shelby. It's nice to be here. So after the pandemic, during it, but sort of when the borders started opening up, you had this really wild idea to ride a motorcycle with your kid and your your partner to Mexico from Costa Rica. Was, Was that the idea? Yeah. And there were two motorcycles. I rode my own motorcycle and my husband and my daughter rode on his motorcycle. And the idea was to change it up. We've been in Costa Rica and Nosada for a very long time, two, three decades, to see some of the world. And so the wild idea was to step outside of our comfort zone and travel with our child by land. What brought you to Costa Rica in the first place? What's your background? I must say it was fate. It was I was invited to come down here for a vacation. And on the third day of my vacation, I knew. Like I had seen so much magic here in Nosada. Uh, it's been our dolphins and, you know, the most beautiful beaches and surfing. And I knew I had to move here. So I went back to the States, sold my car, quit my job, broke up with my boyfriend and moved back down here within a month. Okay. So we have never talked about riding a motorcycle on this podcast. And, you know, it's, it's something that I find it fascinating. You know, one, motorcycles are more eco-friendly than cars. So there is a sustainable element about it. They're super dangerous, but they also look really fun. Well, I'll tell you what, we wear all the gear all the time. And what is all the gear? Like pads? We wear motorcycle boots, knee pads, hip pads, chest, back, shoulders, elbows, gloves, helmet. So yeah, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't even recognize me if you saw me on the road. 
And we're actually, a motorcyclist is much more aware of their surroundings than say if you're in a car and you're in your comfort zone and you're checking, you know, the radio and your texts and, you know, it's a lot easier to get distracted in a car, which actually that's why it's dangerous to ride a motorcycle is because of, you know, people not paying attention on the road. So when did you first learn to ride a motorcycle? Yeah, it was my 42nd birthday and I did a two-day course and knew everything about motorcycles because of my partner. And then we ended up going to Italy for the summer. And I learned to ride around the very narrow and scary roads of Lake Como, which built up a lot of confidence, came back here and rode, you know, for about a year, we did have a dirt track and we would ride dirt bikes around. And that actually made me a much better rider. The pandemic hit, nobody was doing anything, nobody was riding. And once things started to open up, we started to take rides to Playa Negra, places that, you know, we could do in a couple of hours back and forth. And I realized how much I needed to practice because the motorcycle that I ride, which is a Ducati uh, Scrambler desert sled, is tall. It's like a, it's like an off-road it's a taller bike. And so I had to learn to have confidence on the bike, even though I couldn't reach. And so that's really where all of this started. As things started to open up, Monica and her husband Mario felt the itch to go on an adventure. Riding their motorcycles seemed like a wild way to see the world, but it can be pretty dangerous. It was especially nerve-wracking to be traveling with their eight-year-old daughter through the back roads of Central America. But for Monica and her family, the idea to take this trip was about much more than catching a thrill. What made you guys have the wild idea of just taking this trip? Like, it wasn't like you were going to San Jose or a couple beaches over in Costa Rica. You're like, no, we're going to go to Mexico. Well, I'm originally from Mexico City, and my partner's from Italy, and we've spent the past eight years with my daughter taking her every year to Italy, but she had never experienced my my culture and my family and our heritage. And so we thought we had this wild idea that we would go to Mexico but by land and on two wheels. And everybody thought we were crazy and everybody, you know, begged us not to go considering the situation in Central America and Mexico. So my partner, he's done this trip two times previous. So he had the confidence of knowing that it's possible. And, you know, he would tell me people are good, you know, in general. People are good. Yeah. So, okay. You had these fears. Did you have your own fears? Ooh, yeah. I had tremendous fears. And that's why at the beginning, I had us do some breathing together, because that's really what got me through every day. I was afraid a lot of the times, because I was, you know, learning to get comfortable on the bike, you know, stopping to get gas, I had to, you know, roll in with a bunch of cars all around and, you know, nail that landing right of you know getting in the position to get the gas and and so the biggest fear of course was taking my only child through and having something happen to her i was afraid of people being you know kidnapped or assaulted or you know robbed um and my partner he was afraid of getting in an accident which 
in retrospect, makes more sense, right? It's more likely that you're going to get in an accident than you would like getting uh, assaulted. But that's not what we hear in the in the news. And so on a daily basis, as soon as I got on the bike, I would start to practice my breathing, my yogic breathing, and draw in my attention. And all the things that I've l- shared with you in yoga classes, I would do in real time, you know, riding 60 kilometers an hour or whatever, um, you know, just getting into my body, this embodiment and wiggling my toes and, and, and really connecting with my environment and seeing the trees and the, and the land and the sky and, and, and making it a ceremony, really. Wow. Okay, you have this mantra. It's like, be here now or something like that. Yeah. So with your breath, you inhale, I exhale, am. Inhale here, now, in this. I am here now, in this. And so I would do that, you know, for 20 minutes. And sometimes I would pray and sometimes, and and not in a religious way, but like really connecting with my environment and saying, please protect us. You know, I had songs that I would sing that would just come up spontaneously. And it's funny because we had intercoms in the helmets. So I'd have to like disconnect myself to go through my, <laughs> through my, my morning ritual on the motorcycle. And it was awesome. It was so it brought me into full presence and appreciation. Like I kept aligning with joy because that's why we were doing this. As a mom, I'm sure there's moms listening being like, what? You took your nine-year-old daughter on a motorcycle to Mexico. How, how did you prepare? Like, how did you prepare for this trip? How did you prepare your nine-year-old Magenta, who was, you know, was eight at the time for this trip? And why did she want to go? Well, that's a great question because we tried to talk her out of it. At least I did. Mario didn't. But I, we offered her the opportunity to go to her grandmother's house in Florida and have unlimited iPad time and shopping sprees. And she's like, no, I want to be with you. And she's always been very close to us. And so we prepared by buying lots of gear. We should have taken some rides to prepare ourselves, but I was working too much and was just in, you know, go, go, go mode. And so finally, when we took off, it was, it was wild that, you know, we had really no preparation other than gear. We pretty much gave away everything, sold a few things like the car and, you know, some things of value, but we still, we gave away everything and kept two t-shirts, two pairs of jeans, two dresses, two shorts, and two pairs of shoes, and that's it. And anything we could take on the motorcycle is all that we had. When we come back, Monica talks about the interesting characters she met along the way, what it was like to come back home, and she shares her biggest takeaways from her family's adventure. In late summer of 2021, Monica Ramos, her husband Mario, and their daughter Magenta took an 8,000-mile motorcycle trip from Costa Rica to Mexico. They initially set off in late July, but they had a bit of a false start. Some problems with the title of Monica's bike sent them back to Nosara for a couple of weeks. Finally, they hit the road for real in August of 2021. From there, the motorcycle journey was all blue skies and open road. 
there had to have been some memorable moments. Yeah, there was a, we were in Mexico and we were leaving Acapulco, Guerrero area. And I had heard that we were coming up to narco territory. And so as we were riding, we stopped to get gas. And this wasn't always an issue. Mario has a bigger bike. And so he has a bigger gas tank. And I'm always the one that's like running out of gas. And and so we see a gas station, we stop and we pull over and there were other motorcyclists there. And they were really intrigued because at first they weren't sure if Magenta was just a very short woman on the back of Mario's bike or once they she took off her helmet, they were like, that's a kid. And so they came over and talked to us. And these guys pretty much set up the rest of our kind of mapping for the rest of our trip. So they set up your route. Our route. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. You speak a different language most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So they set up our route. They told us, you know, go to this stop, stay here. It's only a three hour ride, but then the next day you're going to have to do a six hour ride because you do not stop on that road. You just keep going, keep going because that is well-known narco territory. I got to tell you that ride was so beautiful because it is a place where nobody stops and it was like a garden. Everything was just flowers and butterflies and birds and it was like going through the secret garden. It's really nice because every day when you have a journey like this, that's a distance journey. Every day you have purpose to get from point A to point B. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> You nailed it. That is the simplicity of life. And that's, we've gotten so complex in all of the things that we do and how we, you know, live our day to day. And you have to just get from point A to point B and make it as efficient and joyful as possible. Mm, yeah, making it joyful. That's, that's, that's a key. I'm curious how you made it joyful. You sung a little bit. What did you sing? I would you know, when I was feeling fear, I would just do make up some songs of, about, you know, <laughs> about feeling supported and protected and, and call on my ancestors and, and call on angels. And yeah. What else did you guys do to find joy? Did you like stop for ice cream for magenta, wherever you could find it? Because I mean, you got to keep a kid happy too. Absolutely. You know, my, one of my biggest goals was to find a destination that had a pool so she could, you know, play and have fun. And, you know, one of the things that was really funny and joyful was listening to her kind of narrate in real time because we were all connected through these intercoms on our helmets. And so she's this eight-year-old, nine-year-old, you know, seeing all these things for the first time and just having her narrate was hilarious. What would she say? She would just make up jokes and she would say things that were, you know... As as kids are without a filter and 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 real. Did you have an oh shit moment? <sighs> this was ah, oh, it was. You know, we were a few days into our trip. We had passed through Nicaragua and we were in Honduras, and we follow this Spanish guy Charlie Cena one on YouTube, and he's always going off road. And Mario loves off road, so he's like, "Let's go off road." And I was like. You want to take an alternative route in Honduras with our child? And he's like, yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we rode 
for 10 minutes, it started raining. We had a pullover on a very narrow road and put on all our gear and, you know, trucks were going by. And so you have to pull over, put on your your pants, your jacket, maybe something for your boots. So another layer on top of all of the, the layers. And remember, we're still in the tropics. And so... So it's hot. It's hot. hot. Oh, it's so hot. You're sweating. It's like a sauna inside. So we're riding and we're, it stops raining and we're like, okay, keep going, keep going. And we get to a point where the GPS is telling us to take a left. And it didn't seem like it was the right, you know, it, it, it made us question. So we asked an old guy that was, that was near on the road. And we said, you know, we have to take this left here. We're trying to go to this destination. And he says, no, 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 no. He goes, turn around, go back. He's like, you know, that's off road. You have to pass through rivers. It's a lot of hills and mountains. He's like, go back. And we had already traveled something like 60 kilometers. So We were not wanting to go back. Why is it that we have this instinct inside of us to not want to go back? (laughs) Yeah, we were not wanting to turn back around. And funny thing is a young man came up and saw our motorcycles and he was like, what? With these motorcycles, you can do this road. No problem. He's like, you guys, these motorcycles will, you know, get you through anything. And of course, that's what we wanted to hear. And Magenta, this is a funny thing that she always says. She's like, the biggest takeaway was always listen to the old guy. (laughs) So of course, we didn't listen to the old guy. We went through and it was the most challenging road that we'd ever been on. Say 10 minutes into the ride, we get to a muddy patch where we, it was an incline, it was going uphill and Mario goes up quick. And then I, you know, take what I know, which is like press into your pegs, look where you want to go. And I went for it, but it was so muddy and slippery that I fell. And the, (laughs) the, the bike was Fine. I bent a couple of important things, but it was fine. But there were two old guys, like the the old guys from the Muppets that used to sit up in the balcony and heckle everyone. Well, they were just sitting there with their arms crossed laughing at me. (laughs) Mario comes over and he tries to help me pick up the motorcycle. But because of the incline and the position, we both fall flat on our faces twice. Oh, no. In the mud. In the mud, completely covered. And the the best part, the one of the ladies, one of the wives of the two comes out and smacks her husband on the arm and says, get your butt off that stool and help them out. And that was the only muddy part that we had on the whole trip. But it was such a challenging road. And one of the really sweet parts is that I was having a lot of negative self-talk and Sometimes it would be vocal, and of course, my family could hear it. And there were a lot of bad words that I was spewing at myself, really, because I was I was having a hard time. And and Magenta would say, "Hey, mom, you got this. Mom, I believe in you. You got this. Go, mom. Go, mom." And she was my biggest cheerleader. Oh, I love that she could. Would she say? What does she say to you in Spanish? Like, "Go, mom." Like, how does she say that? Well, she always speaks to me in English. Oh, she does? She does, yeah. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. But she's, yeah, she's just a, she's, she's just a real kid who, reala- you know, is able to drop into any situation 
And, you know, when her dad and I say are, you know, kind of at our wits end because we're nervous or concerned or whatnot, she was always the one that kept her cool. And she was always the one that was like, hey, guys, like, you know, she she did the the same thing to Mario once when we were in Mexico and he was like in a deep mud pit. And she said, dad, you, you came through here. We can make it back. And she very matter of factly, like, you know, very mature for, for an eight-year-old turning nine. Go, mama, go. Go, mama, go. You got this, mama. You got it. With Magenta riding on the back of Mario's motorcycle, it was almost as if Monica had her own personal cheerleader by her side, and she definitely appreciated the support. Traveling by motorcycle can be stressful. The bikes are heavy, and the roads in Central America tend to be bumpy and winding. It took roughly a month to get from Costa Rica to Mexico. Once there, the family explored Mexico for two months and returned to Costa Rica around Christmas time. You guys were prepared to just kind of leave Costa Rica. We were going to give it a try. We were going to try out Mexico for a year. And we were quick to realize what a special place it is here in Costa Rica, which we already knew because my husband is now a naturalized Costa Rican citizen and my daughter has been is born here and 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 I've been here for many years. But Latin America is gorgeous, beautiful. The people are very special, but the security that you have here in Costa Rica is incomparable. There's you know, not having an organized army for 70 years creates a different type of human being. And this Pura Vida is real to them. This Pura Vida, pure life, is the the essence of what it is to be in Costa Rica. And, you know, when we were traveling through Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, the people are so kind and so attentive and, and really love to connect but their life has been really difficult. And I don't want to make it sound like life isn't difficult here in Costa Rica, but when you feel safety, when you feel like you're safe in your home, in your country, it's it's, it's very special. So, okay, you do this adventure, then you've got a couple months in Mexico, but then you have to go back? So did you ride your motorcycles back? That's another great question. A lot of people were like, so did you fly back? And I was like, no, we did fly Magenta back so that we could do the trip quick. And we did the trip in seven days, five borders. It was wild. Exhausting, I bet. People don't understand that riding a motorcycle is a huge workout. It's very physical. Absolutely. It is, you know, a constant practice of noticing your posture, noticing how you're, where you're slouching, what you're doing to your your body and, and con- trying to continually be in the right position so that you're not, you know, putting more unnecessary tax on your body. But you also have to be aware of like where you're going, stopping, your adrenaline is like proprioception, like everything is engaged at all times. Exactly. And that's why it's become the best spiritual practice for me, because it is about presence. It is about just being in the moment and really paying attention to your surroundings and to and to yourself in particular, right? Like we have to start with ourselves, like be in touch with yourself. What am I feeling right now? How am I feeling? Okay, what do I need to adjust? What kind of breath work do I need to do? And how, how do I need to connect? Mm. Do you have like a favorite moment from the trip? Hmm. 
You know, I think the it's threaded throughout the whole entire trip, and it's the connection that I spent with my family 24-7 because, of course, you choose this family, and but when do you ever spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week for two and a half months with your family in that way? And we l- literally spent all our time together, and I realized just so many beautiful aspects of my family. And so that was threaded throughout the whole trip. Man, on a motorcycle, how intimate with your kid. Your kid will never forget that. I mean, did she go back to school and like kids are like, what did you do for your summer vacation? And she was like, (laughs) I rode a motorcycle to Mexico. Yeah, I think that, you know, in the future, she'll realize what a big deal this is. And right now she's just these are the parents I have, and this is the <laughs> wacky stuff that they do. What, what did Mario take away from it all? Like, did you ask him? Uh, he wants to be on the road forever. And, he you know, yeah, he loves it. And I, I must say, I love it. And we didn't think Magenta would miss it. But now that a few months have passed, you know, we'll ask her, do you want to go on the road again? And she says yes, which we never thought she would want to do because, mm. you know, it was intense for her. <laughs> So, yeah, Mario wants to stay on the road forever, and we're hoping to be able to do another trip at some point, maybe through South America. After a wild idea, there's some sort of letdown, often. And it's nothing you can really prepare for. It just sort of happens. How did you transition to come back and then kind of do something a little bit different? Well, it was really, really rocky. (laughs) It was definitely a rocky landing. Funny enough, you know, we traveled for four months and landed in Osada and got COVID (laughs) and then couldn't find a house and uh, it was high season and it was just a lot of moving parts. So it was really rocky. It was was certainly something that was... a different challenge than we had been through, but we had been so unified by our experience. And anytime that we would start to get overwhelmed, it was this just this moment where we would look at each other and be like, remember what we did? Like, remember who we are? Like, this is nothing, you know, we can handle anything. It sounds like the lessons and like what you took from that adventure will just continue to enhance your life today. Whether you do something like that again or not, like it's always going to be there and it's always going to feed the next thing. Very perceptive. Yeah. Every day that I ride through the forest to come down to the beach, which I have a 30 minute ride from, from the beach down from the mountain. And I feel like I'm on my motorcycle trip although I'm riding a little side-by-side at this time for the dogs in the back. But I remember what it's like to connect to the birds and connect to my breath and connect to to, to the environment that I'm experiencing. And it really becomes magical. And it goes right back to what we were saying about being fully present in the moment. You know, it's like, what can we take from being right here, right now in this? If you could leave people with, you know, one piece of advice about finding more joy, living more wildly, they kind of go hand in hand. What's your advice to people who want to go do something a little wild, which maybe will bring them more joy? You know, that question brings some emotion to me. I I feel some, you know, some 
tears welling up in my eyes because I feel that we continuously have the opportunity to feel more joy or really go into wild ideas, whether they're small or, or, or big, but we sometimes make excuses. And so my advice would be to pay attention when we're making excuses and maybe just take that step forward. Riding motorcycles and practicing yoga might seem like opposite activities. One is quiet and slow, while the other tends to be loud and fast. For Monica, the two are like yin and yang. They complement each other. In both practices, she maintains a calm energy, an intense awareness of her body, and slow, mindful breaths. I think there's a lot to learn from Monica's practice. When we go after a wild idea, how can we stay centered along our journey? Monica Ramos, thank you so much for coming on Wild Ideas Worth Living. I love being your yoga student and I'm totally inspired by your badass motorcycle riding skills. If you want to learn more about Monica, you can follow her on Instagram at moonramos underscore. That's M-O-O-N R-A-M-O-S with an underscore at the end. Special thanks to the Harmony Hotel and Sunset Shack in Nosara, Costa Rica for an incredible opportunity to spend an entire month in the jungle working on my book and hanging out with amazing people like Monica. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, Written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative. Our senior producer is Chelsea Davis, and our associate producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, rate it, and review it wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. <laughs>